Well, we saw the Christmas story according to kids here at Meadowland. Uh, if you were to flip through the Gospels real quick, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, you see they all start their stories a little differently. Matthew starts right off the bat sharing the story of Joseph and Gabriel. Gabriel goes to Joseph and tells him, hey, Mary's going to be with child. Don't worry. This is from God. Go along with it. Don't divorce her. Jumps into the story. Okay, the baby's also in there. And then the story of the Magi, the wise men who come bestowing gifts, wanting to praise Jesus as king of the Jews. Mark starts a little differently. He, he jumps right to John the Baptist, who was a cousin of Jesus, uh, preparing the way for Jesus uh, when he went to begin his ministry. And so he really doesn't do much of the nativity. He doesn't do much of the birth story at all. Jumps right into John the Baptist, preparing the way. And Luke, if you are looking for a place to read the Christmas story with your family at some point this Christmas season, I would advise you to jump to Luke. Because Luke is the one who kind of tells that story we're a little more familiar with. If you imagine the, the, the nativity scene, he covers most of the characters in there. He kind of walks through from Mary being told what's going to happen to them going to the inn and there not being a room for them while they end up in the manger. And, and the shepherds being told out in the flock or out with their flocks at night. And then they, they come and, and, pray and, and see this new baby that's born. That's Luke with his story. But we want to look this morning at the book of John. If you got a Bible and you want to turn, we're going to be in John chapter 1 here. Uh, it'll be on the screen as well. All, all the passages will be on the screen. Uh, but we do encourage you, get in God's Word in front of you. Check this stuff out for yourself. See for yourself what it says. But John starts a little differently altogether. John 1, 1 through 5, tell us this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is in reference to Jesus, we find out as we keep reading. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So in speaking of Jesus, he's saying he was the word. He is the word. He was the word. Uh, he is God. And that he was there from the beginning. All things were created through Jesus. We see that Jesus sustains all things. We begin to see some of his role in the Trinity, we see a glimpse of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see here the Father and the Son in the same passage, both fully God, part of the Trinity. But John starts with this, true life is found in Jesus. In him was, was life, and this life was the light of men. I love the way he just kind of hits it right off the bat. If John were a movie writer... He'd have a Star Wars where from the get-go, very first line, oh, by the way, Darth Vader is Luke's father. I just want to get that out there, right? If, if that's a spoiler alert, I mean, you've had plenty of time to see the movie, okay? Um, or he'd be the guy who says, hey, Bruce Willis's character in Sixth Sense is already dead. There you go, you know? And he'd be the guy who just hits it right off the bat. I want you to know the, the pinnacle part of the story because that's just what, that, it's just so amazing. That's what he's starting with. Jesus is life. He is the light of men. In this dark world, light is found in Jesus. That, that's what you got to know first and foremost, John's saying. And then he spends the rest of his gospel unpacking that and backing that up. Well, Christmas is a season of lights, uh, just the way that our, our, our culture celebrates that. Uh, I don't know if you get a chance to do this. One of the things we like to do with my family is uh, we load all the kids up and we get them uh, little hot chocolates to go with the lids um, because I don't like 
cleaning up spilt hot chocolate in the car. <laughs> but we get those all set up, and we, we strive around town trying to find the best light shows. And this is something that seems to grow every year. I mean, there's even TV shows about light fights where um, who, who can outdo one another with the biggest and the best display. I mean, they're, they're getting you know, soundtracks that are blasting. I'm sure their neighbors love that, but that's besides the point. Uh, Actually, my dad lives down in Georgia, and uh, where he used to live, there was this festival, there was basically the, this island that was owned by the power company, so they didn't have to worry about how many lights they were going to put on it, and they would fill the place with lights. You would go, you'd pay to get on the island, and then you would just spend, gosh, about an hour and a half just idling your way through the island on this amazing light show. And they even have a radio station you could put on to all this, this Christmas music, but it's, it's a season of lights. Those who have a Jewish background or who celebrate Hanukkah, know that, that it refers to it's a festival of lights. In the past, we've talked about the 400 years of, of silence from Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, to Matthew, the first one of, of the New Testament. And the, the truth is that God wasn't silent in that he didn't interact with his people. It wasn't like God all of a sudden said, oh, I'll see you in 400 years. But as far as uh, Prophets who spoke or books that were recorded as canon, as scriptural, as inspired by God, that we didn't receive any more in there. But God was still active in and amongst his people. One of the things that happened there was the temple had been taken over. Where God's people would come to offer sacrifices wasn't under the reign of the Jews anymore. And this is about roughly 200 years before Jesus came. And all of a sudden, uh, there begins an uprising. Matthias uh, and his five sons lead a revolt to reclaim control of the temple. This is a time where, where Judaism had been outlawed. Um, they, they had been offering sacrifices to pagan gods in God's temple. They'd been sacrificing pigs. And if you're familiar with Judaism, that would be seen as an unclean animal. Basically doing everything backwards uh, and apart from the way that God had laid it out. And so this revolt rises up, and when they reclaim the temple, they realize there's a, there's a special oil that's been prepared that they're, they're called to light and, and burn in, in the, the candle. And they realize there's only enough for one day. And so they light the candle, and they begin the process of preparing more so that it's kosher, this whole process, that's uh, for another day. But it takes eight days to prepare that. And as the story goes, that that oil is only enough for one day burned for those eight days. And that, that's where the inspiration for the, the festival of lights for Hanukkah, that God provided for his people. It's a season of lights. But light is so significant in our physical world, isn't it? I mean, I, this, this past week I've been pondering on how much we rely on light. I mean, you saw in the, the opening video, we, we, we literally cannot see without light. For those who understand the science behind it, light is, uh, comes into our eyes, absorbed by cones and rods and all that, and that's what enables us to see anything. Even if it's in a dimly writ, lit room, it's the light that's enabling us to see anything at all. It was the first thing created in Genesis chapter 3, and uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, God says, let there be light. Think about everywhere in your life that you come across lights, light bulbs, work lights, flashlights. Uh, if, if your kids are like my kids, uh, a flashlight is their favorite toy. And of course, the only way to use a flashlight is either A, turn it on and off as many times as you can, or B, turn it on and see how close to dad's eyes you can get it before he stops you. Um, there are lights everywhere in our life. Indicator lights, uh, flashing colored lights. Uh, if you've ever a furnace go out, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you'll have a flashing light that's actually flashing a code to tell you what's wrong with it. Uh, you can have all these different indicator lights and your check engine light, you know, that's a fun one that goes on and just reminds you you still have an engine. You can check it, it's there, good. Um, 
fire panels, safety lights on joggers, on, on boats. You know, boats actually have different color safety lights. So if it's pitch black and you see just these, a light off on the, the, the horizon, you can see, is that boat coming towards me or is it moving away from me? I don't know how much time you spent thinking about things like this. Uh, like I said, I probably spent too much this week. Uh, but things like traffic lights and brake lights. We, we don't have great perception as far as how quickly we're approaching someone if they're slowing down. I mean, think about that. If the car in front of you is slowing down, we almost don't realize it, especially if it's someone who just takes their foot off the gas but doesn't apply the brake. And all of a sudden, you're like, why am I driving so fast? Oh, I'm not. They're slowing down. But those brake lights say, hey, something's changing. It alerts us to something that's going on. You ever found yourself waiting on a light? Whether it's sitting at a stop sign, or a stoplight, I mean, waiting for that to change, or you're in the midst of a power outage and you're waiting to find your flashlight or your candle, or you're in a dark room fumbling for the light switch. But there's times in our lives where we're waiting for a physical light to turn on. This is a place you don't desire to stay. There's a plan to move forward, and you're hoping for something better down the road. When I was a kid, I got sent down to the basement to get something, whatever it was. And it was, it was a split-level house. Um, so it was only about four to six stairs. I don't remember how many they were. Uh, because usually when I had to go down in the dark basement as a kid, um, I didn't use all the steps. I got down as fast as I could because the light switch was downstairs, not at the top of the stairs. Sometimes when we had a, a fridge and freezer right next to the bottom of the stairs, I would open the fridge or the freezer first because that would turn on the light, and then I could find the light switch. And, and don't worry, I'm working on it. I'm almost over my fear of dark. <laughs> see, light helps us to see better. It gives us a clear, broader picture of what's before and how, what's before us and how to get there. If you've got something you need to accomplish, you, you need light to be shed on that so you can move forward. See, spiritually, light is pretty significant as well. Generally speaking, uh, one who is in darkness is seen as one who is unaware, unable to see fully. They don't have the full picture before them. Uh, Something that's been a newer development in our society, a new uh, adventure to go on is something called escape rooms. If you haven't had a chance uh, to try one out yet, give me a call. We'll go. I'll take you. I love these things. Uh, But basically, they put you in a room, and there's all these clues and puzzles you have to figure out. And if you figure them out in time, you, you get out of the room. And if you don't, you still get out of the room because they can't legally lock you in it. But you get to say, hey, we got out in time. And one of the common themes I've seen in these rooms is is darkness. They'll they'll hide a clue or or the answer in plain sight, but if you turn off the lights or if it's dimly lit or if you have to use a flashlight, you just can't see it. You can't see where you're going. But light is significant, spiritually speaking, as well. Maybe you felt this way in your life. You feel like the answer might be right in front of you, but you're not sure where it is. You can't quite make it out. You can't quite see it. The path is unknown. Maybe you said something to yourself like, well, I want to know more about God. I'm just not sure how. I want to grow my understanding of who he is. I I just don't know where to start. I've heard about this Jesus guy. Maybe I got some of my family who talks about it, but I don't know where to begin. Maybe you've said things like that before. Maybe you said things like this, I feel like there's more to this life that I'm currently living, but I don't know where it is. That there's something eating at me, I just feel like there's more to what I'm I'm doing, but I'm not sure where to begin. I can't see what's before me. Maybe you said something like, I believe someone started all this world. We went through our By Faith series, we're going to actually have part two of that in March, we talked about 
science and, and faith and how they really uh, connect together. And then you see the friendship between them. They're not enemies that battle against each other, but they, they work together with one another. And so maybe you look at science and say, I, I believe there was something that created, something that began all this. I don't know the specifics. I don't know the when. I just, I believe there is something, but I'm not sure how to discover more about who that is or what that is. Can you see how, in one way or another, we've all been in darkness? That there's just big questions about life that maybe we're not sure how to move forward in. The prophet Isaiah talks about some who are in darkness waiting for a light. Isaiah verse, or chapter 9, verse 2, and then verse 6. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. This is the prophecy he's foretelling. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. We jump ahead to verse 6. We see more about how that prophecy will be fulfilled. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Isaiah is telling of a son that will be given. The saying that will be God, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This, this is the story of Emmanuel that's spoken about a few chapters before in Isaiah chapter 7. And you know, that this, this child will be born, his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, God is light. Jesus is, is the light of men, of mankind. And so when we see that we're still in a world of darkness. There's still aspects of life that we can't figure out. There's still uh, uh, things about how to live in this life and the ways that God has made us for that we're unsure of. There's still spiritual darkness in, in each of us. We see that God sees that. And so he sends his son to be the light and to shed light on the way forward. If you're familiar with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a, a Lutheran pastor at the time of, of World War II, and he was arrested because he, he resisted Hitler and what he was doing, and, uh, and so he was arrested and imprisoned. And while in prison, he wrote many letters, and he was a great theologian. And in one of his letters, on November 21st, 1943, he, he writes this from prison. Life in a prison cell may well be compared to Advent. See, Advent's what we're, we're in the season of Advent right now. Advent means, the, uh, means coming. The, the season of uh, celebrating the coming of our Lord Jesus and his promise to come again. Life in a prison cell may well be compared to Advent. One waits, hopes, and does this, that, or the other. Things that are, are really of no consequence. The door is shut and can only be opened from the outside. You get this picture of, of uh, someone sitting in the darkness of a jail cell. Doesn't matter what he does in that room until someone opens the door and lets light in and shows here's the path forward. It doesn't really matter. I want us to see here this morning that the truth is the same for our lives. Except for God opening the door and saying, Here's my son, and bringing light into the darkness and shedding light in our lives. Apart from that, there's always going to be this well, I, I could do all these things in life, but does it have any purpose? Does it have any meaning? Does it accomplish anything from an eternal perspective? Eternally speaking, does any of this matter? But God shone a light in the darkness to show the path to say yes. There's eternal perspective here. The eternal difference we can make. In life, as long as we're in darkness, what we do accomplishes very little eternally until one opens the door and reveals the light. And this is exactly what God did in Christmas. 
this birth of Jesus. This is what we celebrate, that God has shown light on life. Jesus is the light of the world coming into our cell, into our world. He took on the form of a man, even the one of a baby, and brought light into the world, making clear the way for the Father. Making clear for the way for us uh, to be in relationship with him. Prior to Jesus, God's people would offer sacrifices. And the sacrifice would, its bloodshed would pay the price for their mistakes, for their sins, for the way they'd gone, gone against the word of God. And, and faith of those who came before Jesus was credited to them as righteousness because they believed God. It was credited to them as righteousness. But those sacrifices never were sufficient to fully cover over the sin of man. And so that's why God sends his son Jesus, who lives a perfect life, who dies on the cross, who basically sacrifices his life so that we may have life in him. That when we trust in him as our Lord and Savior, our sins are forgiven and we're seen by God as having the perfection and the righteousness of Jesus. John 8, 12 says this, and Jesus spoke to them, his disciples with a bunch of others who were around him as well. And Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We talk about Christmas being a season of lights. We also look at the Christmas story and how much light was used to lead others, right? How, how did the shepherds find out about this baby being born? A great light shows up with this, angel, this host of angels, right? And all of a sudden they say, hey, Jesus has been born. And then they send them to go find him. That The magi, the wise men, are led to the manger by a star. What I want us each to, to think on this morning as we celebrate Christmas as we celebrate the fact that Jesus has come, is this statement here. Jesus illuminates truth, meaning, and purpose in our lives. If these are things you've been longing for, if these are things that you felt in the dark about, I want you to look to the person of Jesus. I'm not saying look to the church. I'm not saying look to religion. I'm not saying look to some people in your life who you think got it figured out. I'm saying look to the person of Jesus the one who is God with us. That's the difference. That's the difference between him and anyone else who has set foot on this earth. Is that he is the light of men and was sent to us by the Father. And this reveals the redemptive and saving work of God that's taking place in our world. Look, look at the Christmas story a little closer. I, I, I got giddy about this as I saw this and thought more on this. So Mary, this new mother, right? Even prior to finding out she was going to have the Son of God, she was engaged to Joseph and already starting to think about, hey, here's what the future's going to look like. In that culture, in that time period, you didn't have this, well, let's be married for a little bit. Maybe we'll have kids. Like, no, you started popping out kids right away and, and had as many as you could because you're working the family farm. And that was just part, it, it was something that was really uh, uh, elevated in that culture. So it was very, very likely that Mary's already thinking about, hey, can't wait to have kids and what that's going to look like and build this family, grow this family. But then all of a sudden, Jesus enters the picture. Imagine how that changed her perspective. How much more purpose and meaning that gave to the role that she was about to carry out. Prior to Jesus, she was looking forward to being Mary, the mother. After Jesus, she was Mary, a mother of Jesus. And so she still, in one way, had a lot of the same roles and responsibilities. The things that she did in life were similar. 
But Jesus brought such meaning and purpose and illumination to that. The same is true for Joseph. What was Joseph before Jesus came? He was a carpenter. What was Joseph after Jesus came? He was a carpenter who was helping raise the Son of God. No pressure. But you got to imagine that as he understood Jesus to be the Son of God, how did that change the way that he was a carpenter? When he got tired and realized, man, I just want to give up today, all of a sudden he realized, no, there's significance in what I'm doing as I'm working for my son Jesus. And it, I'm sure it changed a little bit how he lived. Think about the shepherds. But what's interesting about these shepherds, um, it's, it's very likely, the text doesn't say this definitively, uh, but it says that they're out at night with their flocks. And uh, at that point in time, typically the, the way that you brought about, uh, raised up a lamb that was to be sacrificed um, is they, they had to be one-year-old male lamb, spotless, uh, free from any blemish, and, and been raised outside for a year. And so a lot of times you see shepherds would, would take cover you know, at night in caves or pens, but the fact that they were out at night, uh, many scholars believe that these shepherds were raising lambs uh, and sheep to be slaughtered as sacrifices. Imagine how much their world changed as they met Jesus you got to believe they tried to follow his story as much as they could. I wonder if they found out that he is the Lamb of God and his sacrifice would pay the price for all mankind who would trust in him. Imagine, we see a glimpse of how their story changes, right? Before Jesus, their shepherds tending to these lambs who we use as a sacrifice to make people right with God. After Jesus, what do they do? They go home and they stop at every house along the way saying, hey, I got some awesome news for you. The Messiah has been born today. They're changed. Were they still shepherds? Yes, but with a, a renewed purpose, a deeper meaning. They were waiting for a light, for something, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up. And now there's, there's so much focus and clarity in their life. The Magi. Here you got these wise men. And out of all their knowledge, what do they want to do? They want to go find the king of the Jews so they can worship him as king. What were they after they met Jesus? They were magi. They were wise men. But you've got to imagine they were changed because of their interaction with Jesus by seeing this king and worshiping him. We see a little bit that, that, that fortified their resolve to do right. On the way to see Jesus, they ended up with Herod, the leader of that land, and Herod kind of plays the cordial host, not revealing his hand that he doesn't want any more kings to oppose him. And so what's he want to do? He wants to find this king of the Jews and kill him. He actually goes as far as, as killing every boy, son, or every boy who's been born who's two years old and younger, just to make sure, hey, let's just kill off all the boys, and then that way there's this king that they, they found can never rise up against me, but God obviously led uh, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus away so that they were protected from that. But Herod wanted the Magi to lead him to this king so he could take care of him his way. And the Magi said, no, we're going on. And God reveals to them this plan, and they say, we're going home a different way. We're not going back to Herod. They were changed. They were different because of their interaction with Jesus. We, were, we learned the past couple of weeks ago about Simeon who was promised that he would not die until he saw the Savior. And Jesus is presented it in the temple as a young boy, and he sees him and proclaims, this is him, this is the Messiah. God was faithful to him. 
Simeon was still the same guy who was waiting on God's promises. But all of a sudden, when he meets Jesus, it brought so much life to that faithfulness, right? It validated his whole life. Everything, every time he said, God, I believe you, I'm going to keep going your way. And then he sees Jesus, and it's all validated. It's all brought to light. There's a prophetess, Anna, who is one of those looking ahead to the redemption of Israel. And after she meets Jesus, still a prophetess, Anna. She's still the same person, but change. Light has been shown, and her path is more clearly revealed. So the question I want to leave us with this morning is, what does this mean for you and me? What does it mean that God has come for us? What does it mean that God is with us? That he's made himself known, that he's shown light in our life. What are you? Who are you? How would you answer that question? Well, I could say I'm a pastor. I'm a father. At one point, I used to do uh, civil engineering work. I was a surveyor. Does Jesus mean I'm not a surveyor anymore? No. Does Jesus mean I'm not a father anymore? I'm not a pastor anymore? Put your own story in that. It's not the kind of change where you're no longer who you originally were, but it's a change where light is shown on your life when we look at the person of Jesus. Sin is revealed in our life and is dealt with when we trust in him for the forgiveness of our sin, and then we're perfected and enriched and empowered to go and engage our world with this message, to be like the shepherds who went and told others, to be like the disciples are, are called to be Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So this Christmas, as we gather around the dinner table, as we go to family and friends' homes, I want you to think of who you are. Think of what you're doing in life, where you're going. Where is your darkness? Where do you have questions? And then seek those answers in Jesus. Seek those answers in Jesus. The fact that we're forgiven when we trust in Jesus, how does that change what you know? For the shepherds, they were still shepherds, but they went and had the, they told others about it. So maybe this Christmas season, as you think on these things, you're encouraged to go tell someone else about why you believe in Jesus. It doesn't need to be a story of why I go to this denominational church or that church. Or it doesn't be a story of here's why I follow this line of religion or that. But just, why do you trust in Jesus? Be like the shepherds and go and share that. But as we look to who Jesus is, it illuminates our life. And that's something we're going to continue to talk about in the next couple weeks. But it all starts with Jesus. And so this Christmas, we can celebrate that he has come, God is with us, and he is coming again. Let's pray. Father God, you are an amazing God. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you this Christmas again that we can continue to celebrate you that you came to us as a child, as an infant, as a baby. You lived in our shoes. You walked in our shoes. You experienced what it means to be human. You experienced all the temptations that we face, and yet you did not sin. You gave an amazing example for us to follow about how to love and care for others. You bring such light into our life as you give meaning that no matter what role or task we have in life, serving you, following you, living the way that you did with such love, kindness, compassion, and to share that truth with others. 
Father, I pray this Christmas season would be a fruitful one for each of us. One where light is shown on our lives. Those questions that we had on our hearts that weigh heavy on us. And we're looking for better than what we have now. We're looking for a greater fulfillment in life. And we're looking for something that will last beyond this day, this week, this season, this life. Help us secure our eternity in you by trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sin. And help us to share the news of eternity with others and point them to you, Jesus. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being with us and being our light. In your name, amen.